Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Kenny, I'm almost afraid to uh, report this because I'm afraid people might leave the show to go watch this on TV because it Don't might say be it. great comedy. <laughs> no, I have to because it's, it's almost comedical. Oh, don't tell me uh, Joe Biden is on the TV. He's going to be on the TV very soon. Uh, they're saying he's soon going to come out and talk about uh, the update on the flying objects. <laughs> can you can you imagine Joe Biden talking about flying objects? Well, you know, we uh, we really had to shoot that one down because uh, we didn't know what it was. And it was kind of silver. It looked like it might have been an alien spacecraft. Yeah, we, we, we didn't, couldn't talk. So, you know, in abundance of safety, we uh, shut them all down. Shut them all down. Well, if he comes out and says... You know those uh, flailing stick objects that are at the car dealerships with the big air <laughs> pumps on them? That's what it was. If he says oh, that, God. I might pass out. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's man. It's insane that he's going to be doing this Brad, after all this time. I, I, hate to, I hate to break the news to you and your listeners, but this just came across as a bulletin. Uh, Former baseball player and broadcaster Tim McCarver has died at the age of 81. I loved listening to him during the World Series, uh, you know, times when he, because he was there when the Twins were in the World Series. He was just a great broadcaster. And he wasn't a bad catcher either. Oh, no, not at all. Oh, man. it's It's happening. He's on the screen. Do you have your screen on in the studio there? With Joel? Yeah. Oh, let's Joe see what I got out. here. Uh, we'll have to go to the channel there and see what they got. Um, <clears throat> oh, there he is. Oh, he's rubbing there his nose. Stay, keep your hands off your nose, Joe. <laughs> oh. Well, he just he kind of walked out. You know, he walks kind of gingerly, almost like I did when both my knees were replaced. And I'm getting a lot better with my movement. But Joe kind of walks out very guarded. He's got two American flags on one side of him and two presidential flags on the other side. Like, people would forget that he's evidently the president. And then he had a book in his hand. And it was like he's got everything written. You know, he opens up the book, and then he's got the teleprompters that are are telling him exactly what to say. So it'll be curious to see. I almost wish we could listen to it live to see how he explains what he shot down and what it was and why it was important to shoot it down. Anyway, I want to get back to just a second on this thing that Corey sent me. And by the way, Corey, thank you very much. Um, This is a good story to follow up with the other stories this morning about how we lost the wood processing plant uh, because they want to take forever to do the permitting process of that. And the company that has five of the locations around the country just said, nah, forget it. We got other places we can go and we don't have to go through this hassle. Well, this was supposed to be built, as I said, in Crookston, Minnesota. But after a year and a half of waiting for Minnesota to complete its review of their permit application, the company explored the Grand Forks area as an alternative and found city leaders highly receptive to a development agreement. And uh, and they just, they just said that, look, uh, uh, Grand Forks is becoming kind of the... Uh, uh, it's the kind of the ag capital of the country in that area. You know, they they've got a they've got a lot of other plants and things there in Grand Forks. So Grand Forks is kind of becoming the capital. And this this would have been a natural uh, that that area, the Red River Valley area of uh, 
of Grand Forks, well, Crookston and over to the, the Minnesota, North Dakota border and in the Red, Val- Red River Valley, they are the the big area that grows soybeans. They grow a huge amount of these soybeans, which, and you, you think, well, who eats soybeans? Well, only about half the world, uh, but they use it in soy uh, meal or in uh, tofu. It's what they make tofu out of, and they process this. They uh, make the, the soybeans into degummed soybean oil, meal, and hulls, providing economic stability to a huge part of the region. And they were they're providing about sixty to fifty to sixty new permanent full time jobs in the Grand Forks region. But in addition to that, they're supporting an additional eight hundred jobs in and around Grand Forks helping drive the economic growth and adding new value to the area's already thriving ag business economy. So it's just another example of how if we don't sit down quickly as a state and start re-examining how we do the permitting process here in Minnesota, we are we're doomed. We're going to see lots of things go wrong. Oh, and by the way, Kenny, I, got, I did get a note from our friend Tim uh, up in a cover, couple of harbors. He said, "Now, Brad, you were right. It's me. I'm, <laughs> I'm retired." I, he says, "You know, I've been retired now for a long time. So my week consists of uh, six Saturdays and a Sunday. So I think every day's Friday." <laughs> oh, so he did think it was Friday. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, well that's yeah, that happens. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, absolutely. especially when you've been drinking all day, so we'll, we'll let them. Whoa! Uh, what? Did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Okay, so I got a, I got another story that I want to get into, because this, this goes back to the whole thing that we're seeing on TV right now, where, <clears throat> where Joe Boo is trying to explain how he shot down a bunch of uh, car dealership balloons that got <laughs> Well, I can tell you this. Here's what they're saying in their scrolls. If any object presents a threat to the safety of the American people, I will take it down. So did so the one did that the, was shot down then, was that a threat to the safety was it a threat? of the American yeah. people? The, the, the one that looked like an oblong balloon, was that yeah. a threat? And, he goes on to say here, it's quoted as he's saying he acted out of abundance of caution. Oh, there's that phrase. I knew yeah. that. In, sh- in shooting that. down three Aerial objects. So apparently, now they're calling them aerial objects. Aerial objects, yes. Abundance of caution. $400,000 a missile. And it took two to bring the one down over Lake Huron. I wonder if he's giving any substance, like they know the origin, they have a lot of details. I sure hope so. Okay. I sure hope there's something coming out of this that's got some substance to it. Anyway, I want, I want to uh, just let you know, there has been speculation, well, not even speculation. We know uh, as a society, as a country, the U.S. knows that China for years has been stealing our technology, stealing our ideas. Um, they, for example, will take a computer system, they'll buy a computer system from somebody. And the next thing you know, we find out that they've taken it apart, every single piece of it, and they've remanufactured parts, and they've come up with their own new designs or whatever and stolen the whole technology. They've done that on a fairly regular basis. Well, now this morning, there's a story in Bloomberg News, you know, one of the financial wizard papers, that a company called ASML Holding NV, 
<clears throat> on the big big name. And when when I say that name, what do you uh, what do you attribute them to? ASML Holding NV. Nothing. Nobody nobody knows a thing about them. <clears throat> but evidently, they are a critical clog in the global semiconductor industry. They have accused accused a former Chinese-based employee of stealing confidential information. No, come on, they wouldn't do that. A Chinese-based employee? They wouldn't do that. It's the second such breach linked to China in less than a year and threatens to fan political tensions. This is a Oh, evidently, they're a Dutch company originally, the Dutch technology company, which makes machines needed to produce high-end chips used in everything from electronic vehicles to military gear, initiated an internal investigation and tightened security controls after uh, recently discovering the incident. Um said on Wednesday that export controls may have been violated, exposing the company to a potentially regulatory backlash. Oh, man. Hey, we've got somebody from Duluth, Bob from Duluth, that wants to discuss the Huber Project up in Cohasset. Uh, uh, Bob, welcome to the afternoon. How are you? Just good. And yourself? Not bad at all. For, an, would... old, for an older gentleman. <laughs> I have a question. <clears throat> Regarding this project, I don't understand why no one, uh, why there wasn't, you know, I, it, it could be the time element, but why there was no, right from the get-go, environmental impact study done, because who could not anticipate that uh, there would be a challenge to this? I don't know why, did they did they just think they could skip over this and nobody would notice? Uh, or well, the, the first, want to wait? the first, why they just yeah, the it? first, First story I read, Bob, on it uh, indicated that somebody from the state or somebody from that area, Cohasset, had been given uh, the opinion or, you know, was told that they would not have to do a complete environmental review, that they could do something. I forget what, the, what they called it, but it's like a, a shortened process because they weren't going to manufacture anything there um, in the... Uh, that would have caused any kind of uh, leakage or any potential environmental hazard. And so they assumed that that was the case. Then they were told later, uh, about a, almost a year later, that, nope, uh, that's not going to work out. That that uh, that thing we told you about uh, giving you a shortened version is going to have to be extended into a long-term environmental review. And that's when they started looking for alternative locations to build the product and to build the plant and decided to pull out. Oh, so yep. nobody knows exactly who provided them with that misinformation then. Uh, yeah, it was something something that they were dealing through the state, through mm -hmm. through the state of Minnesota for the uh, impact. And uh, they just felt like they got misinformation. And when the company learned that they were going to be uh, forced into an entire economic or, or I should say environmental review, they just said, we've already wasted a year of time and energy here. We're going to move on. Well, what I've got and, here, Brad, from Northern News Now, this is a story they carried, okay. and let me see if they've attached anything to this. 
Uh, this is Briggs LaSavage. She uh, put this together, and uh, it was the band. The band uh, uh, was at Leech Lake. Here it is. A spokesperson for the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe said they understand that this news is a disappointment to many residents of northern Minnesota, the city of Cohasset, the state of Minnesota, and they share that disappointment. Uh, we have always been committed to working with local government and businesses to bring jobs and economic opportunities while also protecting our natural resources. In this particular case, we were deeply concerned about the potential impact of the proposed plant on the environment, the attempted shortcuts in the environmental review process, and the absence of meaningful tribal consultation at the start of the project. We took the necessary ah, legal action yeah. to ensure that the tribe's rights and interests were protected. And uh, it's not a dead issue, is it? Because I know now that you know something might happen here in St. Louis County. Maybe something will still happen in Cohasset. Uh, but it's going to be delayed, and uh, they're going to have to perform this uh, EIS, Environmental Impact Statement. Right. Yeah, now I, now that you read that, I do remember that from the original article, that it was partially because the band, and I'll use, just use the terminology, got their nose bent out of shape, that they weren't in, in wrapped up into this process right from the get-go. Uh, because evidently they are in close proximity to where this was going to be done in Cohasset, and so they felt that they should have been brought into the process right from the get-go. I don't know that they're going to be able to save this. If you're thinking they're going to save this in Cohasset, I'm not sure that's going to happen, Kenny. It sounded in the story that I read like they had definitely made the decision to move on to a new state, a new location someplace else. Well, let's so, hope that it can like happen. That. I know that there wasn't there a story just a day or two ago, Brad, where St. Louis County might step in and try to um, draw this Huber uh, engineered woods into St. Louis County. Hmm, I thought I, I read something about that. that. But nonetheless, yeah, uh, this story yeah. here and what happened in uh, Cohasset, uh, the court ruled in favor of the band, which said the mill could be too tough on area wetlands and forests. And an environmental impact statement is required based on the elimination of the public water wetlands that would result from the mill. Oh, boy. So, in other words, might have, could have, might danger. We just don't know. I uh, I think this is... An abundance of precautions. Yeah, yeah. I don't think this is a dead-in-the-water deal. I I think there's still a way around this. Yeah. It might be for Cohasset, yeah. And by the way, I got a phone call. I don't know uh, uh, who, who it might have been Granny Annie, but uh, the area up around Grand Forks, you were mentioning soybeans. She said you, it might be yeah. the, the, the sugar beets because that area is, they do a lot of processing of sugar beets. Well, that's what the story said that Corey sent me was that, uh, you know, it worked out well for uh, Grand Forks because that whole area has turned into kind of a leader in the ag industry business. Yeah. They've had a number of other developments of, that have grown there. And so they're kind of looking at Grand Forks as being kind of a hub in the agro development area. So good for them. Not so good for uh, Cohas, or, or not so good, I should say, for uh, uh, the, the uh, town in Minnesota that could have got the plant instead. Anyway, look, we're running past our time that we need to do our local break here. Let's do that real quick, and then we'll come back with more here on the Thursday edition. It is Thursday, I thought it was, on uh, 610 KDAL.
KDAL time is 128.11 in Eveleth, Minnesota, 18 in Superior, Wisconsin at the Bong Airport, and down at the Army Corps of Engineers adjacent to the area lift bridge, 19 degrees. And the winds right now are out of the northeast. They're relatively light, around 5 miles an hour. Kenny, I, I know we don't want to make this into a sports show, but I just saw a piece from Howie Hansen. You know, Howie does a lot of uh, sports and a lot of local politics and everything else. But in his latest piece today, he has listed his Twin Ports all-time high school boys basketball team. Basketball team? Yes. Now, is this a, a variety from, of players? So like an all-star yes. team? Oh, okay. All right. Yes. Como from, Potliana. From, he is the center on the first team, Como Pontliano. There you go. From Delos Central. Forward on that same team. I want to see if you disagree with any of these. Taylor. Forward on that same team. No, Rick Hansen. Rickert. Rick Rickert. Rick okay. Rickert. Rick Rickert. Delos East. Yep. And the other forward, Rockney Johnson. Delothese. Well, okay, yeah. Rockney was a good player. Okay. How about uh, for guards now? Larry Potter. There you Delos go. Central. There you go. Okay. And Terry Kunze, yes, Central. went on to play in the. Uh, did he play in the NBA or the ABA? He was a professional. Nah, I boy, know I'm that. Not sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, All right. He did. Now I can give you the second team too. Oh. And the third team because you might be interested in these. Okay. Second team. Center. Donnie Who Ness. Do you think it might be. No. No. Center. <laughs> oh, center. Brad Dudek. <laughs> That's who it is. Yes. Brad Dudek. Um, forwards: Mike Forrest from Cloquet. Greg Downing from Duluth Central. There you go. Guard Jim McIntry, McIntry from right. Proctor, and Terry Eggerdahl yeah, from Proctor. Yeah, can't leave Terry off that. But I got to tell now, you this about the Dudeks, uh, the late Brad Dudek. Uh, boy, I miss that guy. He was a centerman, seven f- foot tall, maybe seven one. Yeah. His yeah. twin brother Brian, six seven, out rebounded his taller brother. <laughs> Yeah, well, he had yeah. the spring. There you go. Now the third, the third team, the center on the third team is somebody that I got to know pretty good because his dad was a wounded World War II veteran. The center on the third team from Duluth Central, Chet Anderson. Oh, that goes back. Yeah. Uh, forwards on the third team: Corey Johnson. Oh, from sure. East and, yeah. and Wally Gilbert from Denfeld. Oh, yeah. Wally. Finally a Denfeld guy. <laughs> now, is that Wally Gil- Is that John Gilbert's dad? I don't know. Wally I have no Gilbert. idea. I, I, don't, well, I don't recognize Wally Gilbert at all, but, you know. And then the guards on that team, uh, Roger Hansen from Duluth Central. Now, Roger, Dean, Roger yeah, Hansen was the uncle of the Dudex. Is that right? Yes. Wow. And then the other guard was Dean Borlan from Hermantown. Okay, so this, all right. I want to see an so all Duluth. I want to see an all Duluth all star team. Yeah. I mean, not to take away from those other guys. I get it. But uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I remember. I mean, back, I don't. Yeah. The ones I know, I don't disagree much with. Sure. Yeah. Boy, I mean, that, some of these I don't know, but, you know. That. Uh, Back in the day, Brad, when I was going to high school and even into the early 80s, they played a lot of high school games at the arena. Yes, I remember. You know, it was, it was probably the playoffs and stuff, but I remember going down to the arena for basketball games, and it, it would have been the, the playoffs, you know. It, packed, packed. 
And uh, Central had just a lot of great teams. I mean, you, you, you're right. No. You go back to Chet Anderson, what, he was in the 60s, I think. Wasn't he on that first Central? 60 or 61, I believe so. Yeah. Now did he name the uh, the coaching staff? No. Well, no, let's do it. You and I will do it. Jim Hastings. Jim Hastings all go. the way. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, listen, we got to go to CBS News. Uh, we'll get that done, and then we'll come back with more. KDAL time is 138, 18 degrees in Superior. East wind at 6, uh, wind chill is at 10. Now, tonight, uh, it's going to be mostly clear. Superior is going to see a low tonight, uh, tomorrow morning, of around 10 below. And then tomorrow is going to be sunny and breezy, a high tomorrow of 25. And, Brad, there's a lot of snow. Oh, and real quickly, a wind chill advisory has now been posted uh, for parts of the Iron Range. So a wind chill advisory is in effect tonight for the Iron Range, 14 for the forecast low. And then the winds will be uh, out of the north, only around 5 miles an hour. But, uh, my goodness, they're calling uh, for a... uh, a wind chill advisory tonight on the Iron yeah. Range. Kenny, I read a lot of the uh, weather stories, uh, you know, national weather stories, and a lot of them are predicting uh, from Minnesota that we're going to have kind of a warming trend over the next week, and then it's going to go back into winter two. Ooh, winter I two. I like meant. winter two. I want winter two. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't like these it must rain be more events. Snow or something. No, no, I need snow. The, the, Brad, this yeah. rain that fell, I got to tell you, that was a lot of rain and it created a lot of problems. The big thing is it just sure made the slick ice sheets everywhere where there was a little bit of snow on the side of the sidewalks and driveways. Uh, thank God I got those ice bugs for the backyard. But uh, oh, real man. quickly, I wanted to mention something about what's go- down in Milwaukee. They're seeing snow down there. Not, not a lot, per se. They're seeing anywhere from two to about four inches in parts of Milwaukee. So they've got to yeah. deal with that right now. But, uh, geez, there was one more thing I, I wanted to mention, but I'll think about it well, here. I wanted to ask you, uh, when you were growing up in the central area, was there something in the water there that created... Uh, these humanoid growth guys like Como Pontleone? <laughs> well, I mean, what the heck? Yeah, Como lived on Park Point. And for the record, the Dudex grew up in the Central District. They lived just west of Masaba Avenue. But and That's what I thought. You know, the family but moved. they ended up playing out of they, Well, yeah. they, they moved to the East neighborhood. They moved out to like the 50th Avenue East somewhere, so they ended up going to East. Ah. And I've told Brad and Brian, and again, we lost Brad here not too long ago, and it just... Yeah. He was a great guy, Brad Dudek. But I told those guys, if you would have stayed at Central, you would have won championships. They agreed with me because they knew what that team had. They knew the coaching staff, and they both agreed. You know what? You're probably right. Yeah, yeah. So whatever happened to Como Pontleon? Did he ever play a professional or anything, or did he play overseas, or what did he do? I think you know? he ended up moving. I, I don't want to say because I th- I don't want to be wrong. Did he become a dentist? But I think he lived in the Forest Lake area of Minnesota, Forest Lake. I think. Okay. I think that's what I remember hearing. But wasn't he something, Brad? Oh, can you imagine being a, uh, being a dentist, a client of his, seeing him come into the office, probably well, duck under the door? Yeah, don't quote me on that one. That's what I thought I, I'd heard, and I, I hope I'm right. Right. But okay. the thing I remember about Como is he was, uh, I started Washington Junior High in uh In 1969, I was in the seventh grade. I started the seventh grade, and I'm pretty sure he was still at Central. But I remember seeing him wherever wherever it was that I saw him. And he was, well, literally a giant. Oh, yeah. 
to me. At I remember least. the first time, first time seeing them down at the uh, at the deck. Come out onto the field, come out onto the basketball court, and I thought, holy cow! Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd heard about them, but I thought, wow! You know, that's this guy's unbelievable. You know, it's great to reminisce and go back to that era because. Uh, it was just a, a good era for uh, high school sports in this area and a lot of areas yes, around the was. U.S., really, because a lot of kids, there wasn't a lot going on back then, you know, and sports was a big part of our lives. You bet. Well, listen, we've got our good friend Dano on the line. I don't want to keep him hanging on uh, too much longer. Dano, uh, good afternoon to you up there in the Proctor area. Good morning. I have a question for you. Okay. You said that with the Scohasset plant, the tribe went to court to get them to do the impact statement, right? Well, no, I think we're, yeah, the one in Cohasset, um, I don't know if the tribe went to court to force it, but the tribe came forward and said, uh, you know, you, you're going to have to go through an environmental import, Im, impact because you never contacted us ahead of time. You never uh, uh, brought this whole plan to us until it was already in the process, and we think it might disturb some of the tributaries uh, where rice is growing in and around the uh, the mill area. Now, now, I got a question. Why doesn't the tribe have to pay for that? Good question. They're the ones that want it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't answer that, but I, I agree with you. I, I think any organization that holds up, you know, like like what is happening with Polymed up there in the, in, in the range, so many of these goofball organizations, friends of the boundary runners, friends of this, friends of that, they're the ones that are bringing up all these stumbling blocks. They should have to pay for the reviews. That's what I think. You know, I mean, we're charging the wrong people. It's the same exactly. thing as class action suits. Nobody has any money in the game. <laughs> yep. No, and that, why wouldn't you bring the suit? If you don't have to put a dime up for it, bring it on. Bring up any kind of suit. Because these organizations yeah. all have uh, attorneys somehow. I mean, look, look at yeah. look at, uh, look at what happened with uh, our, our cozy bar building down there uh, that yeah. Rings Red owned. His own son became an attorney, and his son handled all of his lawsuits. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty nice deal. I mean, if he wants to fix it up, pay for it. Yeah, there you go. He's never, uh, never done any, never put any money aside for any of that. That's so. right. No money in yep. the thing at all. Yep. Uh, one more quick question. Yes, sir. I I'm so happy that Mickey Haley is running for president. Yeah, but she she dumped on us old guys last night. Did you see that? Uh, I don't think that she announced without telling uh, Trump that she was doing it. I don't think Oh, I don't think she did either. But what I meant is in her speech last night she said that anybody that runs for public office at 75 years or old ought to have a competency tense test. And I'm thinking, "Oh, well, wait a minute here." <laughs> that's what we said about um, Biden. <laughs> well, that's yeah, I'm sure she was referring to Biden, but the media jumped all over her after she said it saying that but, Nikki Haley thinks anybody 75 or older needs to have a competency test. Well, that's that's probably right. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's uh okay. she's a very uh sharp uh she had a huge crowd behind her. She's got a lot of supporters. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. A lot of the media is going after her claiming she's not gonna get more than two percent of the vote and um I don't know, you know. Uh from from the women that I've seen run before, 
people like Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris, uh, she outshines all of them and probably has a much better chance of winning on a national basis. And, she, you know, <laughs> I usually... I understand the point uh, that you're making. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. Go go back to your dish. Um, Kenny, on a whole other issue. Yes, Did you go back did to you your know? dish. <laughs> Oh my goodness! I mean, I, I, I mean, she's done. Don't you think she's done, Kamala? I mean, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Have you seen that uh, woman? I've seen her on Fox. I don't know if she's appeared on other networks, but she does a a striking uh, impression of Kamala Harris. I mean, she is spot no. on. Is that right? Yeah, I've she not does seen, a great one. I've not seen yeah. that. Okay, so I. Well, I was going to ask you: Are you aware of the fact that we're a lot warmer in northern Minnesota? Uh, than in a lot of the rest of the state? Yes, that's got to change. And Greta Thunberg and Al Gore are working on this, Brad. They are working to make us colder. What? No, but Kenny, they would have to deforest all of northern Minnesota. Whatever it takes, Brad. We don't have have enough time. I have a story right here, Kenny, in my... (laughs) My cigar nicotine hands that uh, that says, and, and I was surprised when I read this. Why are northern win- winter pine forests often 10 to 15 degrees warmer than the rest of Minnesota? Okay. Pine forests. According to this story, there are meteorological and then there is uh, other hyper-local factors uh, that cause the weather to change rapidly over the spin of a few city blocks, or span of a few city blocks. That usually involves hills or proximity to water or warm weather metro. If you live in, in or near Duluth, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Here is a map that caught my eye over the weekend, and it's a map. One of these, you know, kind of a weather map thing of northern Minnesota shows the whole lake, but then it shows darker surface, surfaces North of uh, north of the wolf's nose, that uh, absorb more of sun's warmth, and they say that what happens is winter pine forest pine for some reason attracts warmth when there is sun out. Pine holds the warmth in the bor the boreal 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 pine forests of northern Minnesota and Wisconsin are darker than snow covered fields and wetlands of our south this time of year. On a sunny day, a high sun angle hits these dark pine surfaces and warms faster, retaining more of the sun's radiation. It's the same reason why an asphalt driveway will melt snow and ice faster than concrete or gravel driveways. It holds the heat more. So we have larger uh, pine forests in northern Minnesota, and that's what holds the temperatures. You buy it? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I don't think he's... no, no. There's there's some something there, but uh, I uh, I'm just waiting for Al Gore and Greta Thunberg to fix it. <laughs> right? I mean, isn't that what they're, they're not going to fix it? Oh, but Brad, I I disagree. The glaciers are melting. Al Gore and Greta Thunberg, they know how to fix it. They know the optimal temperature. They know exactly what they're doing. I fully trust them because I am a... Wait a second. I'm not a Democrat. 
No. <laughs> oh. No, so be quiet. You, Greta Thunberg <laughs> doesn't even know how to fix a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, let alone the world. So, <laughs> Well, you're right, because she's from, uh, she's Scandinavian, isn't she? She's making lingonberries. Yes. Oh, I suppose. Wow, Lincolnberry sandwich. Say, I don't know. Say, I got a follow-up story from yesterday. Remember how I, well, had, I had that story? We got a break well, to fit I, in and here. We'll yet. do it after. We'll do it after the Minnesota. Yeah, we'll, and and then we got Minnesota news to do here. Uh, but we'll cover. Remember the story yesterday? I said about how the core of the Earth has stopped spinning. Yes. Well, today I got an update for that. We'll be right back. KDAL time, 155, sunshine, 15 degrees, and some coffee jazz, Brad. It's been a while. That's, that's nice stuff, but I, but I feel like I want to break into Epanema, go softly. Oh, okay. I don't know about that. Well, Kenny, uh, so I'm going to give you this quickie because I know we only got a minute or two here. So not only has the core of the earth stopped spinning, and remember yesterday I said that that happens about every 10 years or every, I forget how many, it, but it, it's happened a number of times. And what happens usually is the core then starts spinning in the opposite direction. Well, now scientists have proved that not only does the core stop and it started spinning, uh, a group of, from Australia's National University geoscientist Joanne Stevenson has explained that traditionally we've taught the Earth has four main layers, the crust, the manta, the outer core, and the inner core. <clears throat> now they have discovered an additional core. They have, de- they have detected signs of an inside Earth core that they never even knew ad- uh, existed. From these indirect observations, scientists have el- calculated <clears throat> that the hot inner core with temperatures surpassing 5,000 degrees Celsius, that's 9,000 Fahrenheit, make up only about 1% of the Earth's total volume. <clears throat> so see, they were right. The devil lives inside our Earth, in the, in the bowels. That's where uh, Beelzebub lives. <laughs> okay, folks, we're done for the day. We'll be back tomorrow right here on 610 KDL with more Sound Off.